Well, this morning we're beginning a brand new message series, and I'm really encouraged by what you and I are going to learn together. And during this series, we're going to grow together, and we're going to be challenged. And I think every person here, your life is going to be impacted in some way that God is going to touch you. And we're calling this series, Things Happen, and that's real life. That is real life. Sometimes it's really, really good things, and sometimes it's not so good things. And we know that to be true. Hey, I wanted to mention uh, to you just real quickly, uh, because we keep these available, and it's been so helpful to a lot of people. It's this, uh, it's the Bible. It's called the story. The Bible is one continuing story of God and his people. And what it is really, it's the Bible. It doesn't have every single verse of every chapter in it, but it's written uh, chronologically. And uh, it helps you to just follow the story of the Bible, the story of God. And it's a great way. I, I read it not too terribly long ago, and it was just a different way for me to do my devotions. But I've given this to all kind of uh, new believers. And uh, it just helps them because a lot of times when people want to read the Bible, uh, they know they need to and they want to, but they're just a little bit intimidated uh, by it. And I oftentimes will recommend, hey, get started there. So uh, I just want to encourage you to keep that in mind. And we just sell these for what we pick them up for. And so you can find one out at the, uh, out at the information table right after the service. Now, uh, we know, as I mentioned to you, that there's going to be things in your life that are going to happen. They're going to happen. And they're really, really good things. Now, how many of you, well, come on, let's just get started this way. How many of you like it when really good things are happening in your life? Just sort of wave at me like that. Good things are happening and that will happen. But how many of you also know that just as good things are going to happen in our life, how many of you know that uh, bad things happen as well? Yeah. Isn't that true? And I know we're not going to get enthusiastic about it. I'm not going to ask you, you know, because the reality, we don't like it. None of us like it. Uh, when bad things happen. But again, the reality is we're going to experience some good things and, and we're going to experience some bad things in our life. And, and I hope maybe not as bad uh, as what I'm about to read to you. Some time ago, I read it. Actually, it's been quite a long time ago. And I sort of brought it out for this talk because I thought it would fit this talk and sort of dusted it off and just want to share it with you. This, this is a bad day in the life of God. And I'll just share the story with you. It's from a letter sent to an insurance company, actually, uh, concerning a claim. And uh, it goes like this. The guy writes back in. He says, I'm writing in, in response to the insurance company in response to your request for additional information. He said, in block number three of the accident reporting form, I put poor, plan poor planning as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more, and I trust that the following details are sufficient. And so he just starts writing. He said, I'm a bricklayer by trade. He said, on the day of the accident, I was working uh, alone on the top of a new six-story building. He said, when I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. He writes, securing the rope at the ground level. All of us can picture that. He said, I went up to the roof. I swung the barrel out and I loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 11 of the accident reporting form that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. 
Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. He writes, I refer you again to my weight in block number 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries, thank goodness, when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae, only three, were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to move, and watching the barrel six stories above, I again lost my presence of mind, and I let go of the rope. How many of you know that's a bad day? That's a very bad day. I hope you don't have that kind of day. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if that actually happened or not. But if it did, that was a really, really, and perhaps it did, a tragic day in the life of this guy. But life and all that it brings from uh, time to time can be quite frightening. And when it is, we want to know, because those times are going to come for you and for me. We want to know that during the tough times, during the bad things, because things happen, good things, bad things but especially during the difficult things, we want to know that somebody's in charge. We want to believe that there is somebody that is competent enough to handle what we're faced with. We want to know that there is somebody that has everything under control, even when for us, it feels that things are out of control. And friends, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not a prophet. So I'm not trying to give, you know, a prophecy here. I'm not trying to do that. All I'm trying to say to you is simply this. And please hear me on this. There's going to be times in your life when you are going to feel like your life is out of control and you're not going to know what to do. And a lot of times people during times just like that, and I've seen this happen again and again, perhaps you're a person just like this. You say, no matter what predicament I find my life in, you know what I'm going to do? I will use either my strength or I'll use my smarts or I'll use my own stability and able to sort through things, and I'm going to get through on my own. I'll be able to figure a way out. And I'm just telling you, there's, again, I'm not a prophet, but I'm just telling you, there's probably coming a time in your life, no matter how hard you think, no matter how hard you work, no matter what kind of idea you try to devise, it's not going to be enough to get you out of the predicament that you're in. And you're going to need somebody bigger than you. You're going to need somebody that's competent enough. Somebody that has everything under control. And we're going to be talking about that during this series. And I'm actually thrilled about this series for numerous reasons. And one of the primary reasons why I'm so excited about this series is that you and I today will sort of kick it off. And then for the next three weeks, we're going to learn together that we do not, we do not have to live at the mercy of our circumstances. But in fact, we can be in relationship with a God who actually lives and works and operates beyond all of our circumstances. And in this series, 
you and I are going to be looking at this reality. In fact, how I want to kick it off today is I want to take this remarkable verse that is in the New Testament. A lot of you are already familiar with it, but you're going to learn more about it today than maybe you've seen before. In fact, you're going to be, you're going to be more keenly aware of exactly what God is saying to you and to me from this verse by the time we get to the end of this service in about 30 minutes. Now, it's found in Romans chapter 8. And uh, a lot of you know this verse, but I want you to read it with me. And then after we read read it, here's what I'm going to do. I want us to take it and and we're going to examine it. We're going to sort of pull it apart piece by piece. And we're going to look at it and we're going to learn from it. And I think it's going to inspire us. And I think that you and I can grow from this. But let's all read this verse together. Here we go. Romans 8, 28 says, you read it with me. And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Uh, And let's just sort of take this for the next few moments, just sort of piece by piece and see what God might be saying to us this morning. This first little phrase we're going to begin with is this word, in all things, in all things. Now, it's very important that all of us realize that in the circumstances of our lives, all things are happening to all kinds of people. As I mentioned to you earlier, only two kinds of things are going to happen. Life beyond that is basically neutral. In so many respects, uh, two things can basically happen. Uh, we experience something, and immediately we, we put it in the category of either this is a good thing that has happened to me, or this is a bad thing that has happened to me. And it's obvious which category that these things fall into. And I'll give you, let's just sort of interact together. That's actually legal to do in church. Maybe you thought it wasn't. But I'm going to mention a word... And this is going to be so simple that all of you are going to pass the test. But uh, I'm going to mention a word, and you just sort of speak back to me, good thing or bad thing. It's just that simple. So, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's try this. All right, here we go. A promotion at work. Good. A good thing. Um, an illness. Bad. A vacation. Bad. Huge car repair bill. Bad. A layoff from your work grandchildren. Here's one. All right. This is the one that's going to make you think the others will not, but this one, here it is. Kids leaving home. That's what I thought. Some are like good. Some are like bad. You know, you had to think about that one, didn't you? I know. I know. How about this one? A wedding, a divorce, new house, loss of a loved one. And all things happen to all kinds of people. And there are good things that are happening to all kinds. You think about that. All things, all things. That's what we see at the very beginning. And all things. And the reality is all things happen to all kinds of people. And good things happen to all kinds of people. And bad things happen to all kinds of people. Now, uh, a lot of times, you and I, if we're not careful, we'll get perplexed. And we might even become a little bit better when we noticing, when we start noticing that things that are good are happening to people that are not so good. And we're like, well, how can that be? But the reality is all things happen to all kinds of people, to good people and bad people, to Christians and to unbelievers, 
to saints and to sinners, to people who live like angels and to people who are atheists. And again, if you don't get this sorted out clearly in your mind, you may become a little bit perplexed. You may just increasingly become bitter because you may be thinking in your mind, now now that I'm a Christian, only good things should happen to me. You know, I'm loving God. I'm serving God. I'm tithing. I'm serving in the ministry. I'm connected to a small group. I'm showing up consistently at church. Therefore, only good things will happen in my life. And the Bible never promises. And I want to be clear on this. The Bible never promises you or me that only good things are going to happen to Christians. In fact, you look at the Christians in the Bible and they are experiencing lots and lots of bad things. And so we just got to remove sort of this erroneous way of thinking that if I'm a Christian, nothing ever bad is going to happen to me. Or we fall into even I think can be a worse trap that a lot of times people have not sorted this through or maybe they've got some bad teaching and in their mind when they walk through bad things, they, they think, well, something bad must be wrong with me or I'm not doing something right or I need to do more of this or less of that and only because of mistakes I'm making in my life that I'm experiencing that and that is not what the Bible says. I will tell you what the Bible says that when good things happen to us we need to give credit to God and when bad things happen to us even though we're Christians we need to understand this fundamentally that there is a God in heaven that is with us even in the bad times and the darkest times and he has promised he will never leave us he will never forsake us there's never a moment that we will walk through it by ourselves. And that's the big difference between Christians and unbelievers. If you go, if you're an unbeliever and you, you've just said, I don't want anything to do with God. I'll do life on my own. Thank you very much. And you experience something bad and you've got to walk through it. Guess what? You have chosen to walk through that all by yourself. And that's not going to be very fun. But if you're in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, when you walk through a bad time or you have a bad experience or bad, something bad happens to you, fact of the matter is, You've got somebody that's with you and going to give you power and strength and help that otherwise you would not have. So the reality is you and I are going to experience some bad things and we're going to experience some some good things. Now, uh, there's in this next phrase, uh, something else I want you to think about. It's not on the screen, but in all things, because again, you got to keep this in mind. And I told you, we're just going to take this apart, look at it, grow from it, learn from it, be inspired by it piece by piece in all things, because all things happen to all kinds of people. But the next part that I, that I want you to think about is this next, this next portion where it says, in all things, God works. In all things, God is at work. Do you know, friends, God is working even when you don't know that God is working. God is at work. Now, I want to take you, before I say any more about that, I want to take you to a thought that um, maybe you've never considered, never considered it fully. And it is this reality uh, that since the fall, going all the way back into Genesis when Adam and Eve, and I was just reading that, by the way, in my devotions uh, recently. I've read the story, seems like a gazillion times, but I was reading it slowly and carefully. And again, it's Adam and Eve, and, and uh, God says, hey, you, you have free reign. You know, this all, all that is here, you can, you can just experience and enjoy it joyfully. Everything that I have, there's only one thing uh, that I'm telling you to stay away from. And, you know, they were drawn toward that, and, and the fall and sin entered in, into the world. And since that time, since that time, what has occurred the Bible says that since the fall and sin entered the world, that the creation, listen to the phrase here, the Bible says the creation is in bondage to decay. It's in bondage to decay. Now, let me say it in a more uh, simplistic way that you and I will be able to resonate with. Basically, it, it simply means this. It means things fall apart. 
I mean, things, everything, everything falls apart. I'll, I'll give you just a couple of examples to think about here. Think about this example. You, you need to buy an appliance. You buy an appliance, and with that appliance, there comes a warranty, and, and, and the appliance operates beautifully the entire time the, the warranty is in place. But how many of you know what, what often happens? It seems like the week after the warranty expires. What happens? The appliance breaks down. Now, why does that happen? Because things fall apart. It just happens. We're in bondage to decay. Things fall apart. You pull out all of your lawn equipment, and you're just like, you know what? I've, I've, I've got to get this done. And Friday, I noticed about 6.30, I wrapped up some work. I've been doing some, some work on this talk and sort of wrapping uh, that up. And I'm like, I, I wasn't even conscious of it. I was actually sitting in the back booth of a surprise, uh, Chick-fil-A. And I was, I was just so, uh, you know, in, invested in what I wanted to share with you and putting the finishing touches on this talk. And then I got through it, sort of packed my stuff and I looked around and it was light, you know, it was like sun. And I'm like, what is that? I'm not seeing that for some time. And, you know, I thought I'm, I'm going to run home and I'm going to try to mow my lawn real quick. And so I did that. And so you've done the same thing many times where you like, and I had this experience not too long ago. I got everything. I pulled the weed eater out, the edge out, the blower out. I filled, you know, everything up with gas and I'm ready to go and I'm ready to tackle. And I start pulling on the lawnmower to get it to crane and it would not crane. And how many of you, how many of you know that to say that that, that is a frustration is an understatement. You got everything ready to go and the lawnmower went crank. And I love this story. Perhaps you've heard me tell it before about there was a new pastor in town. And so he's in this house and he doesn't have a lawnmower. And so he sees one day when he's standing down in front of his house, he sees this little boy pushing this very nice lawnmower. And he's, uh, he says to this young man, he said, where are you going with this lawnmower? He said, well, I'm, you know, I thought I'd take it and I'd, I'd just give it a friend. We don't use it anymore. And dad said, I could just give it away. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, look at this very nice bicycle I have over here. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, if you like this bike, which was, you know, more valuable than lawnmower, if you like this bike, I need a lawnmower. And if you want to trade me, I'll take that lawnmower and I'll give you this bike. Are you interested? And the little boy said, absolutely. I'd love to have that bike. And so he just sort of an even trade right there. The little boy, he's so excited. He gets on the bike and he's riding around in circles near the pastor's house. And the pastor, he's excited because he can now mow his yard. And, and so he gets out there and he starts pulling, you know, he chats, it has gas. He starts pulling on the string and he pulls and he pulls and he pulls and Little boy's riding around in the bike, having a great, and he's pulling and he's pulling. And he said, hey, son, I, you know, I think I got a really bad deal here. You seem to be having fun on that bike I gave you, but this lawnmower you gave me for the bike won't even crank. He said, well, preacher, I forgot to tell you. He said, when you're pulling on it, you got to cuss it a little bit. You just got to cuss it. That's what it's used to. So you just, you just start cussing a little bit. He said, young man, don't you know I'm a pastor? And I don't, I don't cuss. He said, I do not cuss. I can, he said, in, in fact, he said, I have not said a cuss word in over 15 years. Little boy looked at him and said, you keep pulling on that string, it'll all come back to you. <laughs> and things fall apart. A person, Romeo enjoyed that one. A person is going to join an online dating service. And nothing wrong with that. But now the contemplation enters in. Which picture will I post on the online dating service? And there's a decision that has to be made. Because things fall apart. <laughs> Do I post the current one 
which maybe I should. Or how about this one from 10 years ago? Why would a person think that? Because things fall creation, the Bible says, is in bondage to decay. Now, throughout this series, you're going to hear and you're going to be reminded that God is abundantly bigger than any circumstance that you're ever going to face in your life. And I want to show you a couple of verses out of Isaiah chapter 40 that just shows to us that no matter what kind of bad thing may happen to us, God is bigger. Again, I don't want us to live at the mercy of our circumstances, but instead trust the God that is above our circumstances. Look at this. This is a part of verse 12. Who's talking about God? Who has measured the oceans in the palm of his hand? Now, you're a pretty big person if you can do that, if you can measure the oceans, all the oceans in the palm of your hand. Who, and it's God, who has used his hand to measure the vastness of the sky? Look at this next verse. This is verse 26, still the same chapter. The bigness of God, the greatness of God. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? Who created all these things? And then the writer says, the prophet, he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. It's like this prophet is saying, you want to know how big God is? All you've got to do is go out on a dark, clear night, and you start looking into the heavens, and you see all the starry hosts, and you understand that there's a big God in heaven that positioned each one of them intentionally, and he knows the name of each one of them, and not one of them is missing. A lot of times, we can't even say that. A lot of times, your car keys are missing, and you, don't even, you can't even keep up with them, or your sunglasses saying, you know, you know how big God is? God can not only keep up with one star, every star. He calls them each one by name. That's how good God is, how big God is. And Paul lets us know here in this verse that God is at work. God is working. Remember what he says, in all things, because all things happen to all kinds of people. And when that's happening, God is at work. But often, maybe even usually, we live as though all the work is up to us. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever tried to help God out with your problem? You have, because God, obviously, and at least in that moment, you're like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to step in and help God because I'm not getting the answer I want or it's not happening as fast as I want. And uh, obviously, God needs my help. And all of us have done this. But God is able. Or we have times in our life where maybe you can't sleep well because you're not yet convinced that God is capable enough of handling your problems. Or God is caring enough to see the bad thing that you're going through. Uh, that God is not able to work mightily in the depths of your own circumstances. And yet, this is what I want you to know. I want you to hear this. This is so important, friends. God is working even when we should be sleeping. Do you know what you're doing? What God is doing when you're sleeping at night? And I hope you're sleeping. But when you are sleeping, God is still at work. God never stops from what he's doing because God is faithful and God's big. And God's powerful and God cares about what's going on in our lives. Then Paul takes this reality even beyond this. And he adds, in all things, we can't begin, you know, in all things, because all things happen to all kinds of people. God is working. And then it says next that God, listen to this next portion, that God is working for the good. God is working for the good. Now, I've got to do a timeout right here because if you're like me, at times you've read this verse and you've read it a little bit in a skewed way. It's, you've read it more the way you want it to read, maybe than the totality of what it's saying. 
You see, sometimes we do not consider this verse all the way through, and what we may actually do is we may stall at the surface of it, and our only possible interpretation of this becomes, God is only concerned about what happens to me. Is God, listen, is God concerned about what happens to you? Certainly he is, but God is also exceedingly interested in what is happening in you and in me. Does God care what about what is going on, you know, what is happening to me? Yes. What is happening to you? Yes. But perhaps God is more interested in what is happening inside of us. And sometimes that includes correction. And sometimes that includes discipline. You know what, friends? Sometimes God sees that we're getting a little wayward. And because God loves us in the way that he loves us, he allows a little a little correction to be stepped up in our lives, a little discipline. And we don't like that, but you know, the very ones of us who do not like it, we understand that it's necessary in raising children. Does a parent want good things to happen to their kids? Absolutely. Of course they do. But let me take that a step further. Wise parents also want good things to happen in their kids, not just to their kids. I mean, you just think about it. If you just said, well, you know what? I've got a philosophical bent of parenting, concerning parenting, that is going to be different than everybody else. And here is my methodology. Listen now. It's illustration sake. Here's my methodology of parenting. I'm going to try it differently. I'm going to allow my little boy or my little girl to grow up all of their lives, elementary school, middle school, uh, you know, high school. I'm going to allow them. And no matter what they do or when they do it or how they do it, I'm never going to discipline them. I'm just not going to do it. My, my bent is no discipline, no matter what the form of behavior. How many of you know that would be reckless parenting? That would be insane parenting. And why do we discipline our kids? Why do we correct them? Because we love them. We love them. And when they break the rules, you know what we do? We, do, we step that up. Why? Because we're angry at them? No, we're not angry at them. We just, we just want them to move. We're more interested in just good things happening to them. We want good things to be happening inside of them. Does that make sense? If it does, wave at me a little bit like we want good things going on in the inside of them. I'll give you a little example. Uh, by now, you know, I've got these three amazing uh, grandkids. And this is an incident as recent as just this week. Uh, it's it's unique, and you see this in the lives of your own kids, and then you're going to see it in your grandkids one day, where although they're all raised in the same house, the same way, they're different. They're different. And so Kinley, she's four, and she came home from school one day this week, and she's very upset, and she's saying to her mom, 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 you put lemonade in my backpack, and you're not supposed to put lemonade in my backpack. I can only have, she rides a school bus uh, to school, a little, little pre-K. They live out in the middle of nowhere. Actually, I saw her FaceTime, the bus coming home one day, and Brent says, you want to see, uh, you know, Kenley's bus and see her get off? And I'm thinking, yeah. And they live in about the middle of three and a half acres surrounded by cornfields, and I'm just thinking, this school bus is going to stop, you know, out at the road, and she'll just come running across the front yard. And so I'm expecting that. The school bus pulls right up to the front step of the house. And I'm like, well, why didn't that happen when I was little? I had to walk 26 miles to the bus stop. <laughs> or felt like that. But she's so upset. I'm only, 
I'm only able to have water, and, you know, on my backpack on the, on, the, on the school bus. And Nicole's trying to calmly say, well, you know, honey, uh, it wasn't really lemonade. You thought it was lemonade. Mom, just put a little crystallite in your water. And by the way, did you get in trouble? Did somebody say something? And she said, no, nobody said anything. And then she's like, well, Kenley, then, then why are you upset? And this is what Kenley said. This is, this is how she's so much like her, her papa. Well, maybe. She said, but I didn't. She was so serious. She was so upset. But mommy, I didn't want to break the rules. And so she had, you know, crystallized. Uh, and, all right, so that's Kinley. Being raised in the same house as Landry, who is two, and everything that is manifested in Kinley's life as a rule keeper is nothing like Landry, who is the rule breaker <laughs> in every way. And this week, I mean, this is all going down this week. This week, Nicole, she had just, you know, repeatedly, don't stop, don't do that. And so then she says to Landry, she says, I'm going to spank you if you do it again. And, and what do rule breakers do? They do it again. And so Nicole needed to follow. And she gave her. She said, I gave her a pretty good spanking. And when I did, I expected her to cry and sort of straighten up. And this is what Landry did. She busted out laughing. <laughs> she thought this is wonderful. And so now mom's going to step it up. Nicole says, you think that is funny? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, whether she's going to follow through on this or not. I, I don't know. Uh, but she said, you think it's funny? I'll tell you what I'll do. Mom will go and get the wooden spoon. How many of you know that gets your attention, the wooden spoon? Every mother's had the dreaded wooden spoon. And, she sa- and then she had to straighten up. And this is what Landry, she said, Landry did exactly this. Instead of being terrified or like, no, not the wooden spoon, this is what she did. She did her little hands like this and started busting out laughing and said, the wooden spoon. (laughs) And all of this is really, really funny to her. There's rule keepers and there are rule breakers. And why do we discipline our kids? Because we, we want good things to happen in them, not just to them. But then Paul continues on. Let's look at verse 28 again and then the first portion of verse 29. You got to see this because a lot of time we leave this portion out and we know that in all things, because all things are happening to all kinds of people, God is at work. When we're sleeping, God is at working. When we're awake, God is at working for the good. Good things happening to us, but good things happening in us for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those, look at this next portion, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And this is really important. Many times, friends, we stop short of this. And I really want you to catch this. God's plan and purpose for our lives is much greater than us just experiencing a string of good circumstances between our birth and our death. He desires primarily that you and I would be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. His highest purpose is that the character of Jesus would be continually visible in you and me. And, and that's what Jesus wants to happen is, is for his life to be, to be realized in you and I. For us to be manifesting the likeness of Jesus, that Jesus would be conformed in us. That's God's purpose. That's God's plan. God's plan for your life and for my life is much bigger than just good things happening to us. It's like you and I would become the good people that God wants us. Jesus is being more and more formed in our lives. I, I got a, an email this week from, from an uh, old friend of mine, and I've known him for many, many years. And, and uh, so in his email, and I've not heard from him or seen him for some time. And, 
And uh, so he sends me an email and he says, hey, this week, and I think it was heavy downpour or something. He said, this week I was, um, I think he sat at a grocery store and he said, and I locked my keys in, in my vehicle and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have an extra set on me. And so now my keys and, and uh, I didn't know what to do. And, and this guy walks up and, and he's, he offers to help me. And then this guy not only helps me, he says, I'll, I'll take you uh, to your house so you can get your keys and then I'll bring you back. And the guy was, you know, he wasn't expecting anything like that. And as he describes it more, hey, this guy, you know, not only offered to help me when I'm sure he had busier things to do, he drove me to my house so I could get another set of keys. And then he brought me back to my car and he did all these nice things for me. And then he concluded his email to me. And he said, by the way, Jeff, I thought you'd like knowing that this guy, when I asked him where he went to church, he told me that he goes to your church late. He goes to Lakeside. And I'm like, Wow. And, you know, I couldn't help but be proud. In fact, I mentioned that story in the 930 service. And I said, hey, if you happen to be in that sur- in this service and you're that person because he didn't give me a name, come and let me. And this guy came up. He said, well, that, that, was, that was me. And I just told him how proud I was. And I'm like, man, you know, that's the likeness of Jesus. It was what I was talking about in the service. You didn't have to do that. You could have just said, hey, I'm busy, got this going on, but uh, you want to use my phone? or can't? And he's like, no, I'll take it. And I said, man, that is, that is just so like Jesus. And I just told him how proud I was of him. And I thanked him that he didn't steal the guy's car because that wouldn't have been fun to get in the email. Like, hey, I met a guy from your church. And by the way, I haven't seen my car since. And, you know, there's not a lot of Jesus going on in him. But the likeness of Jesus. And that you and I would love Jesus in the way that Jesus deserves to be loved. Look again at the A part of verse 28. It's on the screen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. See, God is looking for people like you and me who will really love him who love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength. Paul, who wrote these words to these believers living in Rome that we're looking at, Romans 8, 28. Paul, who wrote these words, would make this proclamation every single day in his life as a devout uh, Israelite, that he loved God. In, fa- in, in fact, it was called the, the Shama, and, and, and you'll see this. Look at this. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Paul would have said this every single morning before he woke up and every night before he went to sleep. Uh, Listen, Israel, this is what it says. The Lord, our God, and Paul would have said this. The Lord, our God is the one true God. There may be other gods and other people. There may be a pantheon of gods and people may be worshiping idols. He said, but the Lord, our God is the only true God. And this is something that Paul would have said every morning. Again, before his feet hit the floor, every night before he went to sleep. So love that God. Love the Lord, your God. Love him with all your heart and love him with all your soul. And love him with all your strength because God is looking for people who love him. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And the God who loves us is the God that wants to be loved. So if God is at work for those who love him, what is he doing for those who do not love him? That's a a good question, isn't it? I knew you'd be wondering it, so I put it in my own notes. If God does that for people who love him, what is God doing for people that do not love him? I want you to check out what Jesus says in these next two verses. And uh, you may not be real crazy about it, but if you don't like it, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God because it's in his book. All right. So I'm just saying. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy. That you may be sons of your father in heaven because he causes his son to rise on the evil 
and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What is it saying here? You know what? For people who love God, God is up to good in their lives. But God also said, and this, listen, you got to capture this. Uh, this is what makes God so lovable because God not only does good things for the people that love him, God actually does good things for people who do not love him. He sends the sun on the good and evil alike. Because, and you think about all the rain that we have. And rain is symbolic in the Bible, the blessing of God. And all of us need, need the rain that we've got. I mean, just look at how dry your lawns have been. And, and when I mowed the yard Friday night, as I mentioned to you, it's just nice. I'm like, wow, this is some great grass to mow. I don't feel like I'm just mowing dirt or something. So, you know, rain is a blessing from God. And, and you know, God could just say, well, I, I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, substantiate the difference between those who are good and not good. And I'm going to do it in this way. Now, I, I'm about to wrap up but I want you to just think through this for just a moment. What if God said he is going to do it that way? And I'll, I'll ask it in this. How many of you, you don't know, but you think that it is at least possible that some pretty bad, some pretty evil people are living in your neighborhood? Just wave at me like this. I don't want you to call their names if, you know, or they, because they may be in the service or something. So I don't want you. But what if God just said, well, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send some much-needed rain. But if you drive around your neighborhood, you're going to know who the good people are and the bad people are because you're going to see the good people. It's raining where they're at, but it's not going to rain where the bad people are. And, uh, well, of course God wouldn't do that because God thinks differently than we think. And God causes the sun to rise on good people and evil people. And he causes the rain to come to those who love him and those who don't love him. And I just have to say, before we wrap this up, you may be a person here today, and I don't know everybody here today, you may be a person here today that you do not love God. You don't love Him. You're not serving Him. I mean, you're not brash about it, but it's just the stark reality. You, you don't love God really. I mean, uh, you may even barely acknowledge that He exists. You don't want to have anything to do with Him. You're like, hey, God, I'm on my own. I'll just do things my own way. But I want you to know this. You, you may... You may not love God, and I'll take it even beyond that, because if something that has happened in your past, you may feel that you even hate God. But I want you to know this, that will not stop God from loving you. God loves you in an outrageous kind of ways, and outrageous kind of ways. And, and furthermore, furthermore, even if you never give God credit for it, when good things are happening in your life, that's a gift from God to you, even if you never give Him thanks. That's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. So maybe today you just say, well, why am I running from God? Why am I just saying I don't need God? I don't want to have anything to do with God. Why would you do that? And I want to give you a chance this morning as we wrap up to get that sorted out. As we close, I want to leave you with an imperative word from the front edge of verse 28. And then I'm going to pray and it will remain with us, this word, throughout this series. Romans 8, 28. This is a part I did not point out. I saved it for last. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. But listen to that third word, and we know. Paul didn't say, well, we think, or we guess, or we hope. Paul said, we know. We know that there's a good God in heaven. We know that there's a powerful God in heaven. And we know that when good things are going in our life, we know that it's God who causes them to happen.
And when bad things are happening in our life, because we live in a world that is in bondage to decay, sin's in this world, darkness is in the world, sin and darkness is in each of us. When bad things happen, we know that God is still with us. He's saying, lean on me and trust in me, believe in me. You don't have to walk through this by yourself. You are not alone. Whatever you're faced with, at your job, in your health, in your home, in your finances, I'm right there with you, and I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You can know it. You can take it to the bank. Would you stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? If you're here today and maybe you're that person who says, you know, Jeff, I'm not serving God. At least at this point in my life, I haven't really wanted to have anything to do with God. I wanted to live my life my way. I didn't want anybody cramping my style. I didn't want anybody to tell me that I shouldn't do what I want to do. I should do something that I really don't want to do. And so I've just sort of niched God out of my life to this point. But you understand that's foolish. There's coming a time in your life, again, I'm not a prophet, I'm just telling you, when you're going to need somebody bigger than yourself, that you're not going to be smart enough or strong enough or capable enough to get yourself out of the mess that you're in. You're going to want to lean on somebody, and that somebody ought to be God because nobody's bigger and greater. Nobody loves you more than God loves you. Just just bow right there and if you're that person, would you just right now in your heart and your mind say, Dear Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I've lived my life my way. I've blocked you out of my life. I didn't want you to tell me what to do. I really didn't want to obey you. But I know I need you. I realize today I really, really need you. And I know that you love me. And I know that you want to help me. And so I'm just tired of running. And I just want to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, teach me how to live. Show me what to do when bad things are happening in my life. Teach me to praise you when good things are happening. Help me to know, not think, not hope, not wish, that you're a God that is working for good to happen to me and good to happen in me. And I want to love you with all my heart and mind and soul and strength. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you. Have a great week. See you right back here next time.